Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Record, episode number 68. I am currently sitting in my apartment. Um, this episode was supposed to go live yesterday since we try to post him on Wednesday, uh, like every Wednesday and Friday. I um, I guess this is essentially an announcement. I was the official photographer for Emo Night in San Francisco. If you don't know what Emo Night is, it is a... It's an event that started down in Los Angeles. We actually, I had um, one of the founders of the show, of the whole event, on the podcast, um, and that'll be up next week. Um, <clears throat> but I was the photographer for the entire event, um, and it's basically this show where uh, people show up, and they play what was, I guess, dubbed at the time emo music. So stuff like Fall Out Boy, Hawthorne Heights, uh, that whole Warp Tour era that was between like 2002 and 2008, um, and music specifically from that time period, and it was fucking awesome. It was so much fun, um, but I did not get back until 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I had to get the photos up to go... Um, to uh, share them on their page the next day so it was I mean it was a long night but um, I'm proud to say that this is now going live today um, with um, a fucking great guest um, Mr. Greg Barrett um, hilarious stand-up comic he came through and performed in Sunnyvale at a club called Rooster Tea Feathers um, I first knew Greg's material because he did a lot of comedy on, um, or they played a lot of his comedy that was on like this, those serious sex time comedy channels when I was a teenager. And I always remembered he was super into music. Um, like just had an, an incredible music knowledge. And, um, I met him and I was not disappointed at anything that he said, um, in regards to music. He has such an insane knowledge for all of it. And we talk, we talk a little bit about music, but we also talk about politics and, uh, the election and just kind of, um, this was recorded after the women's march that took place. And it was, um, it it was just, it was an all around great talk. Greg is a fucking awesome guy. And, um, it was, it was an honor to have him on the show. Greg, you can come back on anytime. I would love to have you back on anytime you wanted. And I sincerely mean that. This episode was brought to you by Audible.com. Tired of wanting to read all the time but never having the time to do so? Use Audible.com. Audible gives you access to over 180,000 top-notch and high-quality audiobooks. Just grab your smartphone, your tablet, or computer, put in your headphones, and listen to your favorite books and new titles anywhere you go. On your commute, at the gym, when you're on a break in the office, wherever you want. Visit www.audibletrial.com slash shamelesspromo to sign up for a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash shamelesspromo. All right, episode number 68 with Greg Barrent. Commence.
I've seen the first two seasons, and I know like some big things that happened. And she's um, she started watching it now, and she started discovering it. And I said, uh, like, yeah, just watch the first two seasons without me. And then she got to a really big crucial moment and she's texting me like freaking out like what the fuck and i'm like all right gotta go see ya yeah i know it's good (laughs) yeah it's a great show um well um thank you for doing this i appreciate it it's great to it's really great to speak with you um well one of the things that i wanted to say that i was going to start off with she started off with the thing that i was gonna say which was um how i kind of discovered your comedy and how it was on like she showed it to me through like the Sirius xm radio and stuff like that when i was a kid so i always heard your stuff but when we saw you last year, you she did. She being your mom, right? Yes, my mom. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know what the format of your show is, and so it, your audience may just assume that yeah. your mom's also in our hotel room together, <laughs> and that your mom came down to here, make sure I don't murder yes. you to death, which I didn't. But we should probably. Yeah, I'd so. be a good show producer. <laughs> intro the guest. Intro well. the guest. Back announce. Back announce everybody. Do a reset. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Hi, mom. Um. But um, you did a joke when I saw you at the improv um, in San Jose that was that really made me laugh, which was about Starbucks. And I don't know if you still tell it, but it was about how a guy that you had gone to Starbucks with, you kept ordering drinks, kids temp. Right. Um, I worked at Starbucks oh, during that period of time. Oh, right, right, I right. laughed so goddamn hard because it was so perfect. Right. Yes. Because right, I can imagine when listening is going, oh, he has a bit about Starbucks. Wow. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, somebody took on truth to power, man. Way to go. What is this, 2016? But, uh, but yes, it is about that, the more, the, the, that, that sort of more recent, it's about, um, you know, the whole, the whole theme of it is, is, um, you know, part of it is being old and recognizing that, um, uh, people have it better than you and it's infuriating. And then part of it is being old and realizing that young people are soft yeah. and, that, and that they're being, um, you know, there's only so much pain we can eliminate for you. Yeah. You know, and just exactly. Some of the str- you know, if you take out all the struggle, you're just going to, I was like the next generation of kids are not even going to be born with arms. They're just going to come out as ball. They're just going to roll no, literally. Like bowling balls and just have a mouth and a butthole. You know what I mean? And they'll use their tongues to use their computers and that'll be it. Like they won't be. Because uh, you know, in the in the in the ordering the drink, kids temp, which is what it is. Yeah. Um. But which, which my friend who's thirty did that. Uh, <laughs> fucking Angelo. <laughs> you know, he. Uh, uh, I was like, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like you can't you can't wait for it to get. You know what I mean? Like he ordered. Yeah, coffee, exactly. And then it was, and you know, he had one of those elaborate. And again, I'm not against the elaborate coffee order. My my thing was he just knew his order too well. Yeah, <laughs> like you know right I mean? right away. Yes. Yeah, it, was, it just was too like just there's something kind of. I don't like to use the word feminine because I don't think that descri- it describes it. We have yeah. to find that that word that doesn't indict women when we're trying to say that a man is less than manly, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to go you don't want to call him Nancy, which I do. <laughs> And my father called me Alice my whole time, you know, growing up. Jesus, Alice. You know, but it, it was accurate, you know, because almost, yeah. Alice is almost a character that is like, well, that, if you were going to be any woman, you'd be Alice. Like that, <laughs> there was something about it that didn't feel yeah. um, reductive towards women. But yeah, but uh, my whole thing was like, just order it. Just don't know your drink order so well. It just sounds too, 
effete. Yeah. You know, it, it had a, a vente. I, I know it now because I've said it so many times. It was a vente quad shot peppermint milk and non-fat soy latte. So yeah. Fuck, put a fuck in there. <laughs> I mean, the fucking peppermint thing with the shit on it. Just act like you no, exactly. Just one nut. Just the one ball. Well, there was like at, literally at this point when I would have to because I would take drink orders like that uh, a lot. I'm pretty glad I don't work there anymore. But at the time when I had to uh, take the order, there were some people who would say a drink order like that, and then I would just be like. Whoa, okay, hold on just one second. And then they would get mad at you if you didn't get it the first time through. Well, I think because Starbucks put you through this whole thing of like rewiring you to understand how they make coffee. And yeah. they were, like people would correct you all the time. Yeah. I just like to have a small, tall. Well, no. Oh, okay. Tall. But is that the shortest one? I Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. I don't, you know, and so. Right, and then they had all this shit. You learn the cup size, and then you learn, you know, that you get it's not, it isn't hot half and half. You don't want steamed half and half. It's miso breve. Fuck. Okay. And yeah. Then you learn all that. And then some dipshits like I don't fucking. I just been here two days, dude. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going for management. That was all me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, we've all learned that the management actually kind of gets because my sister was a manager there before. She, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, but she was like, I should have just stayed in. I go, yeah, but you hate people. And it was clear. <laughs> you are the, you're the, you, you know the thing you don't like about people who you're waiting on? Yeah. You're that when you're waiting <laughs> yes. on people. I just want to, you're mad at me. Yeah. So. No, it, it was, it's super interesting. And I mean, kind of going back to what you said about the, how it's, it's kind of rewired everybody to think in a certain way since Starbucks. I mean, when you think coffee, you think of Starbucks at this point. I just remember, any other coffee shop that I would go into after going in there and I accidentally say tall or grande, it's grande. like you, you feel like you're cheating. Like you feel like you're cheating on right. on a significant other or something. But medium feels cheap now. Yeah. It feels stupid. It's like, oh, yours is medium. Like make up your own fucking word. <laughs> exactly. Pete's. You're just burnt Starbucks. That's it. You're just more, you're more, it's the same. And, you know, um, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, Starbucks is just like any other thing that progresses, you know. There wasn't anything like Starbucks when we were growing up. Yeah. Coffee wasn't really even that big of a deal, you know. It was, yeah. um, uh, uh, but then it, you know, it just sort of really latched on in the '90s, and then you got a taste for it, and then you travel around the world, and it wasn't there, and so you know, it was it was your friend that you when you got back to the city you knew better. You're like, well, there's better coffee, I know that, but then you <laughs> fucking go straight to a Starbucks if yeah. you were in. You know, at the time, you know, St. Louis or whatever. Now it's everywhere. You can imagine yourself into one, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a weird um, thing where you have, like, this dual relationship of, like, really loving to see a Starbucks when you're in Omaha and then in L.A. being like, fuck that. Not me, man. <laughs> I fucking make my own shit. I go to that place where it takes four days to brew it and they won't <laughs> let you fix it the way you want it because it's good the way they said it is. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, it's still, it's fucking coffee, dude. It's just, there's so much you can do with a bean. So much. No, there really is. I think, well, I think what's kind of fascinating, and it, this thought just occurred to me, two really big things came out of Seattle. Starbucks, and then there was a whole music scene that exploded out of it. It's almost like there's two. I don't two... remember that. <laughs> I'm not familiar. Heart? Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, maybe heart. Yeah, seems like possibly, quite possibly. Saying really big just seems like a slight against the one girl, <laughs> and she actually is taking some of that weight off. <laughs> my a true, you know, my daughter just did a report on Dave Grohl. Oddly enough, well, this is so interesting. So oh man, yeah, she, you just hit her. Really? Like, oh, well, so she she, she a, loves Dave Grohl. Well, he, um, well, it was two, it's twofold. One is. It, they said, you know, we'd like you to write a paper. She's a freshman. And they said, we'd like you to write a paper about somebody who's um, overcome something. 
And then they gave them a six-page list of people they couldn't do because they already been done to death. Oh, okay. And so you're like, fuck, this is everybody that I, we know that's alive. Like, So my wife suggested Dave, not my daughter, because my daughter is you know, 14 and it just is not on her radar. Yeah. Um, and so she said, all right. And, but Dave is a parent at our school. So we've known true was her, um, don't, don't, don't tell her that. Do not tell her that because she will follow you back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Jesus. He, uh, he is, uh, uh, my daughter was his daughter's. Well, this is a good story. My, my daughter was his daughter's big buddy at, um, at school. And so I knew that and I knew, I would see him at school because there, there's, you know, when you're in L.A., there's a, you eventually get to the point where you're like, you know, those people have lives and so they end up in schools and in restaurants and they do all, most of them do all the same things you do. Right. And so at our school, um, um, we also had a Paul Stanley and we had a Gwen. Wow. And we had, uh, uh, and then with Gwen came there for a while, no longer, but there was Gavin. Yeah. Have, and, um, um, and and also a handful of you know notable actors and producers and writers and also just regular folks and whatever. Um, but um, when Dave came to the school, you know, I was like, I gotta fuck, I gotta stay away from that guy. Like I can't, you know, because you know people were just they were just on him. He just is, and he it made himself very available to people. He was very much like. Now, I come in through the same door as everyone else, and I go to the assemblies, and I go to my kids' things. That's awesome. I come up and ask you your name, and, you know, so eventually, because um, he and Amira ended up chatting one day and had a lot in common, he became sort of a, just a guy I knew. Then one day, I came downstairs in my pajamas, and he was in our kitchen, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you gotta give a guy a heads up. These aren't even my good pajamas, not that you care. Oh, my God, that's amazing. It was Christmas time, and he and his wife had called and asked if it'd be okay that they could drop their daughter off so they could go Christmas shopping for yeah. her. And then maybe, and so they, you know, they came by, and he and I had a drum set in the house, and he said, uh, "Could I sit on your drums?" Oh my god! And I wanted to go. Ah, that's for there for players. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, it's, a, "It's a Gretsch jazz cat." You know what I mean? Do you have? Here's the thing. Do you have to? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he sat on our drums and played for a little bit, and then he got up and walked around. And and um, um, and my, my wife's like, "Tell him about your t-shirts." I'm like, well, I don't want to tell him about my t-shirts. We make t-shirts in the garage. He goes, "I used to make t-shirts." I go, "I know. I've read everything about you." <laughs> but he was very, very sweet. He's a very, very sweet person. And the thing that I, you know, I mean, he's still Dave Grohl, but you come to understand that like there are certain celebrities that are, um. You know, I mean, it goes, Dave is a kind of guy. It's like, he's, he's already won. He doesn't have to be better than you. Yeah. He has nothing to prove and nothing to, you know, he's fun to talk to. And if you ask him any question, he'll tell you anything. doesn't matter what you tell him. You bring up Kurt, he'll talk about Kurt. He doesn't care, but he's just like, wants to be a guy that he can, that can talk to people. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. and that's how he makes friends. And that's how, that's how, he, that's how his life works. I think people just like him and ask him to do things. And he, that's how he, he, you know, um, yeah, I mean, just from any documentary or book or any kind of video you see, he just yeah. he just comes across as that. He's one of those people that just seems like it. He's a good egg. He's a good egg. That's and, awesome um, to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, what did she get on the paper? She had a B plus, and we're both a little. What? We're both a little. We're both a little. I was like, wait a minute, I worked on that. <laughs> yeah. 
And then she said, well, I talked to the teacher and he said something he wanted to talk to me about my grade. So he said the grades are might be better, but they didn't. I, I, it was we just talked tonight. So I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Oh, God, I hope it get. I hope it goes to an A. I mean, B plus still good, but definitely hoping for an A. That's good. Well, and, you know, um, uh, because uh, Amira. So then my wife became friends with his wife and Amira, they yeah. went back to the they were all at the march. Oh wow! The march That's together. awesome. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty neat, you know. Like I mean, she they had they they had to signed up to go to the march the day after the. I mean, that happened fast. Yeah, that happened fast. Like man, that was boots on the ground. Like the day after the election. Well, there was, I, maybe it was maybe it was day after the day after because I think one day everyone was just walking around. I've never, you know, you have a handful of experiences in life that are like I think is like a nation. That are so unique you can't even explain them, and they're not like any day you've ever had before. And I'm sure people who are older, you know, have have them, uh, you know, they, they, you know, pertaining to World War II and Vietnam and all that kind of stuff. But like, and especially where you live. So in Los Angeles, it was like in most of California, it was a crushing blow. And yeah. I've never been in the Gelson's Market down the street, where it's. I mean, I mean, it was like it was just silent. People were just staring. She goes, it was like they were, it was like everyone was at a funeral, but they had to get groceries. Like she goes, or like they had a service at at a grocery store and people were just staring and and really like people didn't know what to say to each other. And it's usually, you know, Los Angeles is very stuck up its own ass a lot of times because it's its own universe unto itself and people are there. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a factory really. And I mean, people are at work all the time there in the factory of show business. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to have a really contemplative moment was really quite a thing, you know? Yeah. And then, um, you know, cause I'm the guy that's immediately like, well, that's, you know, but shit, we, then we had it coming and then we're going to have to work through it. Like I tried to process it for everybody, but my, everyone in my house was crying and like, shut up. And I'm like, all women. <laughs> all right. I went upstairs and you know, like, yeah, just shut up, play your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody needs your help. Thanks for fixing it, dad. It was, that was, I mean. I still haven't even processed like what has been happening. It's completely surreal. And it's, I think it like, it didn't even hit me even when the marches were going on. Like I was like, I knew this is going on. This is something that's happening. I was at a comedy show that same night and I, and they were talking about it and I was like, it's happening this week. It hit me when all of the executive orders started to come out and everything he started signing. And I'm just like, this is, this is ridiculous. It was a terrific um, podcast. Um, not, not to get you to stop listening to this one currently stay with <laughs> us, but, um, uh, and maybe you listen to it. It's, um, the, I just, uh, they changed their name, I guess, but it's called, um, uh, pot bless America. Interesting. Um, but it's three speechwriters from the Obama White House. Oh, jeez! Oh, that's awesome. And, and they, yeah, one of them, or one, two speechwriters and a, and the press secretary, I think. And um, it's fascinating, you know, because as progressive as it is, they're also just guys that have, I mean, they fucking have been in the game. So when they explain shit to you, and they can sort of sift between, this is this is not good. Yeah, and this is insane. And then this is how you know. There's a. I think there's an element where they're trying to also get people registered Democrat and trying to get people to, you know, start taking action locally and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But it's fascinating to hear them because they were all we were all pumped up after the. I don't think anyone expected the women's thing to be what it was. I, I and I, I, that sounded horrible the way I said it. The women's thing. 
I don't think the focus of the march was clear to the public or if or if you weren't mar- until you saw it and then you understood yeah. that it was just a show of power in 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 a, in, a, in a, you know there were a lot of ideas about it there were a lot of things that it was about but it was basically is that an argument with with uh, someone in my family I won't say who but who was like yeah but you know you know the celebrities you know you don't have you, you know the way they talk you know they're not going to get people to join their movement I go this wasn't about joining any movement. This was about saying, this is fucking here. Deal with it. We're not going yeah. away. This Nobody was trying to make friends. You know, there's this idea mm-hmm. that your rhetoric has to be appealing to the other side. And I used to sort of believe that till I went, no, it actually isn't. It's it's to show you we mean business and there you go. And it may, and if that part of it's appealing, fine. But I'm not going to call it. You know, Obama tried so much to get everyone involved. And everyone on the other side, go, go fuck yourself. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, we've tried. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was interesting. Like there were there were people who I would talk to and say Obama didn't get anything done, and I would just say one, yeah, he did. But two, the stuff he couldn't get done was because the House and the Senate were all Republican, and they blocked oh, everything yeah. he tried to do. Yeah, it was historically <laughs> historically, yeah, um, um, yeah. And of course, like everything, like everyone's presidency, and we know from being alive, you know, after a while, things bear themselves out and people have a different view of it and we, you start to look at the effects of what really happened because we're still in it. No, oh, so yeah. You can't feel a ripple while it's happening around you. And You know, yeah, there were things that, you know, I think we all had expectations of. Um, but I think that had more to do with the body politic than, you know, we never blame the Republic. Yeah. You know, the Republic's responsible for what happened. This is on the Republic to change. It's not on whether we can weather Donald Trump or whether we can, like, that's like, it, it has been about us and we all pushed Obama into the White House and then went back to shopping. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, not everybody, but the, for the most yeah, part, yeah, we, we yeah, want understand. that person to solve our problems and we want to go have our own lives. And yeah. I think this election said, and then how it works mm-hmm. and it's not going to work that way. You have to be involved at some level and it has to be a level that's significant and not just something you are comfortable with. Exactly. I think people are going to have, have to get uncomfortable a little bit. They'll enjoy it. I think they. Won't, I think the uncomfortable part is actually making them taking the action. Once you've done it, you feel better about it. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I think like there was a lot of people that I would see that would be very anti-Trump and were very sad after the election. Were like, well, there's nothing we can do. And I felt really. I mean, ask her, ask anybody. I know I was like messed up the day after that happened. But the other thing that started to kind of circulate around online is people would say stuff like, well, remember. A big part of this is Congress and that election that comes up. That's going to play a big role. Uh, voting and being involved in your communities and in measures and stuff. That's going to that'll create a bigger ripple effect than necessarily just what some person sitting in a chair in the White House is going to do. Yeah, it's a big cry to the. I don't like using the word millennial because it, it it now just feels like a dirty word. It just sounds mean. Yeah, it, but it is a big. Um, uh, you know, if the message to them is, you know, um, this is your shit, fix it. You know, I mean, my generation has kind of come and gone and while everybody has to be active, you know, um, it's going to be what y- you guys do and what my kids do um, is going to make a difference because Shrew's voting next time, you know, so. Um, awesome. <laughs> right. And look, I think that generation people saw value in Bernie. I think they liked his, the simplicity of his message. I think that they liked that he had a message. I think there were missteps with Hillary, but I think um, in the end, even Bernie wasn't going to be enough. There has to be yeah. a whole rebuilding of 
the system by which the progressive wing of this country, whatever you want to call it, um, comes together. And we can fight it with the three-party system, but it just has never been... Throughout history, it's all in countries everywhere. It's just always been left or right. It's just always been that kind of way. And as much as it would be great to have a third-party candidate or believe in something else, it's so hard to put that in place. When yeah. We've been th- this thing is so old. But you can fix the one we have. Exactly. To accommodate your ideals because it was never supposed to be about one platform that says this is who you are. It was that it would be in your the ballpark of your interest. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a lot easier. I mean, it's a lot easier for people to follow and look at two directions rather than like three or four, which is, and I agree. I think it would be cool to see the idea of like having a third or fourth party because then you get to see other viewpoints and those are also introduced in maybe different categories or whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, if you look across the board, it's generally just left or right or right. A or B. Right. But if you took, if you broke the, if you broke the extremism off into, I don't know, you just have to make it simpler. People just like shit that works. Yeah. You know, that fucking <laughs> Harry's razor, you know, what's so interesting about that thing is like, and I'm, a, I'm the perfect guy for it. It's like, it, you, you walked into a target. I went to get a razor and there was this thing. It was just called Harry's and it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't sell itself as complicated. I had no fucking idea it had five blades on it. I just thought it was cool and simple, and it came with the blades, and the blades were half as expensive. And you know, you have to get a new setup all the time when you travel because you leave in places. Yeah. And there was something so. It's like it had all gotten so complicated. We keep learning this lesson over and over again. It's like, you know, it's like McDonald's became this restaurant that when I was a kid it just served hamburgers, and now you know they're serving ribs and shit. And then people are like, I want to go to. In and out, and In and out doesn't do anything. It just serves the burgers. They just That's people it. just want to know what something fucking is, so they can deal with it, and they want to know that it's good, and then they want to leave it there. I think the only thing they ask at In and Out is whenever you place an or one of the three orders is, do you want onions? That's it. Right. Like that is the only option they ask you. Right. <laughs> if you want, if we could just give everybody their fucking civil rights, and include everybody, then the parties could be very clean. Yeah. Because then, then you're talking about job creation. Then you're talking about, you know, helping the poor. Then you're talking, you're talking about a set of ideals that everyone can wrap their heads around, and nobody's thing doesn't get fucking talked about. And if the right would just rid themselves of the fucking re- of religion, yeah, and talk about their bootstraps, drip down, whatever. Fair enough. You can join, but let the other shit, you know. Not be a part of it. Exactly. Yeah, clean it up. Make it like a Harry's razor. Give me three prong. Give me the three prong approach. <laughs> exactly. Five, give me the five. Just tell me what the five blades are. What are the five blades of democracy? Give me those and shave my face with them. And that's it. That's all you got to do. That's all I want. The five blades of democracy. I want it to be like Harry's. That's it. <laughs> I got. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting. Um, it's like. Uh, what was I going to say? It was about the. It was about the Republican Party. Oh, it was the separation of church and state. Ow. That's always been something where a lot of these lawmakers, like when Ted Cruz was in there and he was talking about um, how we'll make it a Christian nation again. And I'm like, you realize that there's like a whole part of the Constitution that says that's not supposed to happen, right? Like, right. Yeah, it just and doesn't it make sense. already kind of was a Christian. Like, yeah. Part of it is that that shit's already indoctrinated. You know, we've already got as much of that indoctrination anyway. It's all in the words of everything. It's all based on, these are all based on old texts. We didn't, you know, we didn't invent our government. The fucking Romans did like, you know, like we, we take so much credit. Like I I literally learned straight up propaganda as a kid. Like my beliefs in this country were based on certain things I was taught. I was like, this was just fucking 
you know, just stories, just fucking like the George Washington shit. Like it was like the you know the Russians are bad. Uh, the Japs kind of they deserved it. You know what I mean? Like you had this view that you were like, we were, we are the best country in the world. We're good to people, but if you fuck with us, well, we and when we do something to you, it's for a reason. Like you, you kind of grew up thinking that, and then it started to fall apart a little bit in college or after college for me. It's the, you know the history started to, the real history started to steep, seep in. But we, yeah. I mean, do you remember that? Did oh, yeah. you? Oh, I know a lot of this from my parents. Right. 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 I'll never forget when my grandfather. Um, she, it, it it was my. I won't say what it was, but my grandfather used a word for an Asian person when we went to a pharmacy that was a not not the term Asian, and I was like, you can't say that, and he just went, well, why not? And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, like it was just it, goes, yeah. it, it just it, totally it, flew over his head. And it goes, but you know, when when my buddy Dave and I had a podcast, we made a joke and we used the word tranny, which at the time was just a, it was just you know, I think we were talking. About, I'm sure we we're talking about Eddie Murphy, um, and we just were being what we thought was funny, and then yeah, we got a letter, and the letter was very uh, uh, heartfelt and not at all, um, uh, you know, there wasn't it wasn't an angry letter, but it was like you know, this is a the term that is offensive. Yeah, and I don't think you know it, but you should know it because you're both really funny guys and better than that. And then we just both let it go. You know, there's certain things where you go, look, I don't, I don't need that. That I don't need to have that word or defend it or make it a thing. But I do understand how the world changes underneath your feet, and you're old, and you didn't. And I think what people get offended by is, um, they weren't trying to be mean. They were being funny, or they were being. Uh, acidic or whatever you know sometimes they weren't like and then they then they feel like you're telling them they're a bad person and then they get defensive and they don't want something taken away from them and they you know they they pine for that time when it was okay to be like that and it just always changes you know yeah um, I always kid around he doesn't say it anymore but you know, at one point my father who grew up here in San Francisco and has never been anything but uh, uh, liberal but you know, he's he's eighty right? now. He's eighty four, but you know, this was a little while back. But he's like, yeah, we had dinner with you know with Steve and his fag boyfriend. Um, and you're just like, you know, whoa, and, whoa, right. whoa. But he, he was trying to explain that he had had dinner with two gay men, <laughs> and I was like, you know, the boyfriend thing gets it. You get it all in boy. Like if Steve has a boyfriend, we get you don't it. need to get the, the right. additive on it. But he didn't it. mean he really was not he. He was talking about an evening that he had enjoyed with Steve and his boyfriend. I didn't know who Steve was. He wanted, but so he was, um, you know, just regurgitating it in the way that made sense to him, not knowing that word is awful. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. He was trying to, he he was trying to let me know and let people know at the table that he has dinner with. Gay people, which it, you know, this is this is a while back. So, but you know, as time progresses, he's trying to say, I'm. This is not an area where, where, uh, um, uh, where I have a prejudice, while saying it with a prejudice, that is just steeped in culture of old white people. Definitely, right? the one which th- I am one. <laughs> the one thing I will say about periods like this, and I mean, I guess I'm, I'm curious to get your opinion on this in terms of just 
how the country and the world is kind of shaping up right now. I feel like if there's any positives to look for in things like this, it's art and the way that there's always kind of a boom in whether it's music or in film or even literature, television. I feel like we're at least out of this. I mean, I hope we get far more positives out of this, but in terms of the looking at the bright side of things, there's, I don't know, I feel like sometimes artists are... Yes. Brought together. I mean, yeah. When you think of the punk bands that came out of the Reagan era, yeah. when you think about what happened in in uh, in England during um, uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, uh, Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Right. When you think of that stuff, um, yeah, of course that kind of thing happens. What I'm hoping will happen, though, see, in those days, that was also a way of communing. That's how you became a community. You know, you started this thing. Um, and you found the people that believed like you and it was a coming together where now we can, um, people, uh, and I'm not saying that being online is not a community, Yeah. but, um, we have to commune our, make our communities differently because you, sometimes you sign a petition and you like somebody's, you like a John Stewart rant or you like a, you know, uh, you, you like some, post that you saw or some John Oliver thing and you feel like you're doing something. You, yeah. you feel like you're part of the movement. Exactly. Fucking part of the movement, man. I was part of the 4,000 people that love that John Oliver thing <laughs> and I also, you know, and you're not, and you're not, a, and there's no, you're affecting no change in your neighborhood. Even if you're, even if you were, your political rants are right. Yeah. They're just being read by people who either fucking hate you or already agree, but nobody got a home or a bed for the night exactly. or a meal. And I'm, I'm saying this to myself. You know, it took me, I really had to start going, well, what the fuck do you do? I mean, what do you, sh- how are you showing your kids that you live this um, idea that you espouse, right? You know, there used to be, it used to be um, when anything went uh, to hell in a handbasket in somebody's town, they would call the Democrats. They would call the Democratic National Headquarters in pittsburgh and say there's been a flood because the democrats love to rally they that's who they'd call that doesn't mean republicans and i don't mean this to slight people out of hand i'm just saying that was yeah yeah they knew that the democrats knew how to organize and they knew people whose hearts were too big to stay home on thanksgiving and not let these people drown so they you know they they used to do that and that sort of thing has sort of evaporated um uh and so we just signed a petition or we call our congressman, which is just an all an electronic exchange where you call and then it beeps and you said your thing or you say it into a phone. You don't ever talk to a person. Um, and uh, and so um, in some ways, you know, the paranoid part of me goes, yeah, that's exactly where they want us. Yeah. You know, they want us to be online fighting with each other and fighting over who gets to be a, a feminist and, you know. To uh, distract. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. And divisiveness. And of course. Um, we're easily distracted. Um, progressives are because they are, we're very open-minded, but we open our mind up to too much shit and we forget the plan a lot. Right. It's yeah. like Noah's Ark, but then let's just bring six. We got to bring six. Well, if we bring six, well, seven of everybody, Yeah, you know, as opposed to like, look, at some point we have to stop focus, you know, yeah. and move on and also let other people fight their own, like, you know, Everything's gonna go in the right direction. We always self correct. Definitely. It's just it's just super surreal right now that like all oh, this is happening. It's it's insane. The shit that he's signing, you know, 
the, those uh, executive orders are he's a nut job. I mean, yeah. they're literally going like, no, he's like the shit that he's saying. Like, you know, the whole thing where the guy from he had a, the guy, the golfer said a thing to a guy about the voting. Yeah, yeah. And it was just the whole thing was just a lie, so that he started looking at voter fraud. Like he is certifiably insane. Like Nixon's probably like, I can't understand why somebody would talk. I was I was fucked up. I had some depression issues. <laughs> Certainly, I had depression issues. And W is just sitting there, and a little like, bit of miss paranoia, me yet? but that could have been. I, there weren't modern drugs. <laughs> a little Lexapro, and I'd have been fine. But this guy's <laughs> fucking batshit. He is Mussolini. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I mean, yeah. He's like I, George W. is like going, "Oh my God! I had no idea people would miss me." Exactly. <laughs> right. I just remember when. Uh, the it was real time with Bill Maher on the last episode they did because they'll finish on the election and then they'll come back on inauguration day. He did this. He does like his new rules thing, and so he said it's time for new rules. And then there's a picture of W and it just says "Miss me yet?" And the first thing he says is, "Okay, now I do." <laughs> and everybody got the biggest cheer of the night. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, you know, it's that thing of like if he had just fucking been the commissioner of baseball like he was supposed to. <laughs> Waited four years, become the president, then Obama would have been the president at the right time. It would have all worked out. Because Obama said in his exit interview, his last interview he did with this podcast um, as a president, and he said, I may have been, he said, you know, I look back, I, I'm very proud of every, what I accomplished. You know, I wish my team had been together at the beginning more. I wish I understood my cabinet more. I wish communication had been better Yeah. in those early days. And then he said, and I maybe it was a little early. I don't know. You know, I mean, but it happened. It was a wave that it was. It wasn't unlike the Trump thing. You know, we forget that. Yeah. And that was a wave of like this is happening. And but he fucking went up. I mean, every week they were, you know, he was he was the guy with the you know the um uh the remember the um the thing about churches, oh. and then there was the yeah. whole thing about the weather. You know, the weatherman, the guy with the bombs in Chicago. You know, all this shit they threw at him. He had to make these enormous speeches along the way. To becoming president, but it just we wanted him, and I think with Trump, I think people just same thing, different needs, but same thing. You know, yeah. there were women that marched that voted for Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, Trump voters are. You know, we don't know who all of them are, and I think some of them really didn't like Hillary or trust yeah. Hillary, which is fair. I think some of them were Bernie voters. Yeah, I think some of them were like, "Fuck! I just had eight years, and I don't have a job, so I'm changing parties. I'm changing ideologies. This ideology, maybe the ideology I don't believe in will work because the one I do believe in hasn't served me, or right? right? right. You know, because the big things on the table for us are like, even with all of this, what are we gonna? What do we make? What do we? What do we do as a country? What is our thing? Because we don't have one really. We don't, you know." We put people back to work. Well, yeah, but it's too, for every job that used to be there, for every 10 people, it's just two. It's all automated. Yeah. Obama goes, once those Ubers start driving on themselves, then it's planes, then it's like, he goes, you know, just jobs are just like, whew. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know? It's just, it's... it's All because yeah. we wanted some shit off Amazon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Biggest bookstore in the world. Yep. We fucking pray to it now. It's and, in our yeah, house where we talk to it. Oh, Alexa. <laughs> eh, Alexa, Amazon, what can I have today? Did you ever see the video? Um, it was, I went up on Facebook somewhere. It was of this kid who, it was of this little kid who says something to Alexa and somehow it mistakes it for porn. 
and starts reading off all the options, and the parents are going, Alexa, no, no. And I'm, oh man, it was so funny. No, but I did see a girl have a fight with it because it kept playing pop punk. And she's like, Alexa, stop playing the pop punk. Pop, pop, punk. Stop it. And it just kept going back to like, I can't remember, you know, Alkaline Tree. Just, it kept <laughs> yeah, something bang, like that. Bang, but it was really cute and funny. But yeah, we know we've had a few arguments with her. And then there's things she just refuses to <laughs> just try. When every time I say, I would like some classic ska, you know, or, or like that, she was, she was like, she, what did she say? Uh, she said, old school rap. No, nope, that's not what I said. And that, that makes you racist. That makes you a racist, Alexa. No, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to use that tonight. That's good. You're a racist. That's not even kind of the same thing. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up because uh, you got you got to do a show at uh, Rooster Teeth Feathers in just a few minutes. It's about 7.35. Um, but I was oh, cool. I was curious, what is uh, what what do you define as classic ska? Like when you're asking somebody like that, I'm just curious. So classic ska is the original ska, which is was when they uh, when in the Caribbean they started playing 50s rock and roll, but they changed it, but they put the like um, uh, Caribbean beat to it. So yeah, right. So. It would they would do, um, you know, lollipop and all these other fifty songs, and then they but they would do it on the, you know, they do yeah. it on the upbeat, and that was it. And so it's all that early stuff is classic ska. Cool, right? And then the second stuff is second wave, and it's called two tone, and it was based on the the political movement in England because there was a lot of fascism uh, during uh, Thatcher. And when the yeah. punks came out, and then some of the punks were, there were two different kinds of skinheads. There was the oi skinheads, and there was the skinheads that were against racism. And then they, so they started creating this, these bands that were a blend. Um, and they were playing ska, and that was sort of that movement, which lasted like two years. And then it gets tricky, because then it comes to the United States, and it's Smash Mouth is sort of it, but Smash Mouth isn't. They started, really it. yeah. But then there, you know, um, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, which you know, uh, and that so it's hard to kind of go. Well, some of it's punk, some of it's ska. You know, there was Fishbone, but they were also kind of jazz. So then it gets kind of messy. Um, but I said to somebody, I was like, uh, I go, I just want to hear some classic ska. And the guy goes, Don't worry about it, I got it for you. And he played some Less Than Jake, and I was like, Oh man. Oh man. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, but you know. I, I like Lesson Jake, but it was, but I, you know, yeah. yeah. And when you're an old person, you're like, you know, they're like, wow, oh, you mean like old shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> old scratchy shit. Scratchy, dirty shit. Hard to listen to, yeah. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, Greg, it was it was such a pleasure to talk to you. It was so nice. It was you're awesome. super interesting. And um, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm Gregory Barron at Twitter, and I'm, uh, and then there's a Facebook page that I'm on occasionally. Uh, and I have a website. That's, I think it's it's all Gregory Barrett now, um, and um, yeah, that, I mean that's my that's it. I'm uh, I'm starting some kind of a podcast soon. That's the thing you say. Nice. Um, but I bought <laughs> some equipment and uh, um, yeah, and that's it. Awesome. I, I, I just taped the thing for CISO the other night. That was fun. Oh sweet. I, 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 okay, I, I, cool. Sketchfest. I still have. To, oh, you were at Sketchfest. I just did the quick. I did the guest list on Tuesday night. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah, cool. I've been really at a few. Nice. I've done a few different events that um that have or not performed at them, but gone to them. They've been they've been really fun. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a good one, Sketchfest. Nice. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, man. Dude, my pleasure.
Thanks for listening, guys. This episode of the For the Record podcast was brought to you by Audible.com. To get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash shameless promo. Once again, audibletrial.com slash shameless promo.